Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. It goes without saying that if you want to get better at something, you should practice. Actors practice their lines until they know them by heart. Dancers rehearse their choreography until it's second nature. And runners practice their running goals as often as they can so they know they'll be able to run that pace on race day. I'm not an actor or a dancer, but for runners, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) But I see it happening all the time. As counterintuitive as it may seem, your goal-paced runs, also known as race-specific workouts, should not be done as much as possible. In fact, there is a very specific timing, reasoning, and design of those goal-paced runs that you'll want to follow if you want to run your very best on race day. If you're a marathoner training for a spring race and you're running goal marathon-paced workouts in January, you're doing it wrong. Let's explore a better way. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science back training and plant-based nutrition. In today's episode, we're going to talk about race-specific workouts from the 5K to the marathon. We'll go over why the timing of race-specific workouts matters, why and how to plan workouts that focus on overall fitness instead, and when to narrow your focus so you peak exactly on race day. I'll also give you some examples of my favorite race-specific workouts from the 5K to the marathon. This is a topic that will probably bust a lot of common myths out there about race training. Whether you're brand new to racing or you're a veteran runner looking for ways to sharpen up your fitness at exactly the right time. Before we get into the details, I'd like to invite you to run with me in my beautiful hometown this fall, September 12th through 15th, 2024. I will be hosting a four-day running retreat in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. We'll stay in luxury cabins right on the French Broad River where we can run right out the door. You'll get run coaching, strength training classes, running gait analysis, and more. And of course, it will feature amazing plant-based food and a little nightlife as well. We had so much fun last year that I cannot wait to do it again. It's perfect for adult runners of all ages, paces, and abilities, and you're bound to meet runners just like you. Spaces are very limited and it's first come first serve. So sign up today at theplantedrunner.com slash retreat. I'll be offering early bird pricing until March 15th. So be sure to take advantage of that as soon as you can. I can't wait to run with you this September. I know that it's going to seem strange to think you should hold off on practicing the exact thing you're going to be doing on race day. I mean, shouldn't a 5K runner be running 5K workouts, a 10K runner, 10K workouts, and a marathoner, marathon-paced workouts? Well, yes. And if you're a robot programmed to get better and better at one specific task, that's exactly what you should do. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're human and we are built with the process of adaptation. Instead of simply getting better and better at a task, we struggle, get better, And then, unless we change our stimulus, we stall. The whole concept of race specificity is based on our ability to adapt, but also the fact that this ability is limited. 
In general, you will adapt to a new training stimulus in four to six weeks. That means if you're filling your calendar with marathon-paced workouts in January, attempting to get ready for April, your timing is going to have you peaking in February or March instead of on race day. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you should just skip your running workouts and sign up for a month of Zumba classes to prepare for the Boston Marathon. You definitely want to be mostly running, but your January training shouldn't look like what you'll be doing in March. What you should be doing now is increasing your overall fitness by becoming a generalist. That means you'll want a nice big base of easy running and a sprinkle of what I call kitchen sink workouts. I'll get to the kitchen sink a little later, but let's spend some time on what you should be spending most of your time doing first for any long distance runner. Easy aerobic running. An easy run is not always going to be easy, and for some people, it's not always going to be a run. It's an effort that is so slow that you can talk as easily as you can walking. You should be able to sing out loud or argue with your favorite podcaster. You should be able to close your mouth, and if it's not so cold that your nose is running, you should be able to breathe for several minutes just out of your nose. This effort might not feel easy when you're tired or cranky or sore. This might be a pace that you feel embarrassed about when you post on Strava or compare with your running friends. This might be a pace that feels awkwardly slow because you're used to running in the medium zone all the time. You might need to walk every five minutes for a minute just to stay in this conversational zone, and it's all okay. This is the true aerobic zone, and it means with oxygen. You have all the oxygen to run and breathe just as easily as walking, and this is where the magic happens. When you're running so easy that your body feels like you are walking, you have become more efficient at all the processes you need to run well. Your heart, lungs, muscles, mitochondria, and more are getting so good at the basics that they're better prepared when you turn up the intensity. Not only are you becoming a better runner with a good base of aerobic running, but you're also able to use easy runs as recovery from harder runs instead of needing a day of rest from your previously too fast easy run, which really wasn't easy at all. Your easy aerobic base of running is typically going to be about 80% of your running week, no matter what part of the cycle you're in. This is going to vary a little bit, of course, but it really is the most important part of what you're doing in training. The aerobic system is also the most dominant energy system by far that you're going to be using on race day from the 800 meters up to the ultra marathon. So if you do nothing else... This is it. But of course, I'm not actually suggesting that you do nothing else but jog. I'll explain everything else you should be doing and when to get race-specific right after this. You know I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions, except when they're as easy as swapping out that ugly plastic laundry jug for a slim envelope of Earth Breeze. Earth Breeze looks exactly like a dryer sheet, but it's actually a super powerful, ultra-concentrated laundry detergent that you toss into your washing machine in any cycle. It gets even my stinkiest running clothes fresh and clean, and there's no more awful orange jug in my laundry room 
or in the landfill. When you're ready to join me, you'll never run out of detergent again because EarthBreeze has a flexible subscription that you can just pause or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties. If EarthBreeze doesn't end up being the 2024 update of your dreams, you don't even have to return it. Just let them know it's not for you and get a full refund, no questions asked. Right now, my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash plantedrunner. That's earthbreeze.com slash plantedrunner for 40% off your subscription. I'm the type of person that prefers relying on good habits, not motivation or inspiration. I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted a simple, all-in-one routine that checked all the boxes. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've felt more energized. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water, once a day, every day. As a plant-based athlete, AG1 covers my base with high-quality ingredients with adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food-sourced nutrients. If you want to take ownership of your health this year, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash plantedrunner. That's drinkag1.com slash plantedrunner. Check it out. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. We all want to be our best on race day. To have the best chance of that, we need to plan our training so that we don't peak too soon, too late, or not at all. There is a rhythm to a well-planned race training cycle that looks like an inverted pyramid. We want to start out as generalists, gradually narrowing down our focus so we are pointy sharp on race day. Besides our big base of aerobic running, we want to throw the kitchen sink at our speed workouts before we get into our race-specific phase. This means marathoners should do some 5K work or even mile-paced work. 5K runners might work on half-marathon pace and VO2 max. Basically, you should be doing a little bit of everything to build the things you will be neglecting once you get to the race-specific work. Your goal at this point is to build your overall running fitness as high as possible. You'll want to focus on a range of components to boost aerobic fitness, lactate threshold, VO2 max, and neuromuscular development. Somewhere in the range of four to eight weeks before your race is the time to start getting specific. This is a big range, I know, but there is a lot of variability in individual adaptation rates. Some people can get sharpened up pretty quickly, but perhaps also stagnate sooner, while others thrive with a longer, more gradual phase. 
If you aren't sure which one is you, split the difference and plan for about six weeks. Once you get into this specific phase, you are working mostly on exactly what you need to meet the demands of that particular distance. So I'll warn you that you will be losing a bit of fitness at other distances. A 5K runner is getting really good at speed endurance, but is likely sacrificing the aerobic fitness required for the half marathon. A marathoner is getting great at stamina, but is going to be off her game at the speed of the 5K. This is why you might be disappointed if you schedule a very different distance tune-up race in the race-specific phase of your goal race. You're getting really good at one thing, which means you're giving up something else right now. It's all about priorities, isn't it? Now let's take a look at the specific race-specific workouts from the 5K to the marathon. While they're all quite different, the one thing they do have in common is a progression that gradually gets more challenging. The paces are all about goal race pace, but the distances and the rest times can be changed to get increasingly harder as your fitness grows. For the 5K, the main skill you're working on is speed endurance. You've got to run really fast for 3.1 miles. In your race-specific phase, you'll be doing 5K pace in small, manageable chunks, broken up with short jogging rests. The jog keeps the run continuous and keeps you from getting full recovery, which you won't be getting at all on race day. For example, you might do 10 or 12 reps of 400 meters at 5K pace with a 100-meter jog in between. It will feel too easy at the beginning, but I promise it'll get tough by the end. The 10K has a lot in common with the 5K since it's still a pretty hot pace, but you'll need to hold it twice as long. Your workouts will be slower, but your intervals should be longer. A great 10K specific workout is five by one mile, a 10K pace with a slow minute jog in between. Don't make the mistake of running that first rep too hard or you will pay for it later. Moving up to the half marathon, the demand shifts to increased leg durability and the ability to keep your lactate levels from rising higher than you can clear it for 13.1 miles. A great half marathon workout would be two or three sets of two or three miles at half marathon pace with a half mile or a mile of jogging in between sets. And finally, when we get to the marathon, we get to the point where we can't truly be specific. This is because the demands of the marathon are so challenging that we are better off simulating the effort rather than replicating it. Truly mimicking the marathon effort would cause more harm than good and would disrupt training too much that we need a better way. Instead of relying on one race-specific workout a week, Marathoners should be looking at how each of the runs in a week are adding to fatigue and that dead leg feeling you'll get on race day. This is also why I recommend running the day before your long runs so you are not running on fresh legs, exactly what you'll experience in the final miles of the marathon. My favorite race-specific workout was made famous by the Hanson Brothers' former coaching team of Olympian and Boston Marathon winner, Des Linden. It's called the 2x6, which can be modified to 2x5 for some runners. After a mile or two of warm-up, you'll run 5 or 6 miles at marathon pace. Then, in between sets, you sit down and you call your mother like you know you should. 
Okay, you don't have to call your mom, but you do need to sit or at least stand around and do nothing for 10 minutes. While you might be grateful for the break at first, what all this sitting does is cool you down and make you feel ready for the couch. The rest break is a clever way to simulate running harder and longer without actually doing it. If you can nail that second set just as well as you did the first, it says a lot about your marathon fitness. And of course, don't forget to add a cool down mile or two at the end. What all of these race specific workouts have in common is that they should be a part of your overall running strategy, balanced with easy runs and an appropriate long run for you and the distance. And they should also be timed in the last four to eight weeks before your big day. That way, you are starting with the highest level of fitness you can and then adapting to your specific race demands right on time. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is visualize your finish line feelings. So often we are focused on a goal finishing time. We see that round number in our heads without even trying to. Instead of picturing the number, try to imagine what you will feel when you cross the finish line. That is the real thing you are pursuing. Will it be pride, relief, or joy? Will you feel strong like you trained your best but know that you could still give more? Or will you feel absolutely spent knowing that you left it all out there? Or maybe you're picturing disappointment. It's normal to want to run a certain number because it seems to validate all our hard work. But ultimately, it's more about how we want to feel at the end of the race that we are chasing the most. Think about what you want to feel. Then imagine all the scenarios you can that will make that feeling happen. Thank you for listening to The Planted Runner, part of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple Podcast review, so be sure to write yours right after your run today. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach, and it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next, because I read every single one. Have a great run today. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network. <laughs> 